Welcome to Dig It. This is the speaker. I am here as always with my two lovely ladies, the Sharp Edge and Corey Lynn of Corey's Digs. Seven girls. Hiya. Hey ya. <laughs> How are you guys doing? We're doing good. How are you doing? Yeah. Just trying to get everything all leveled out and trying to get back in this action. Back in what? Trying to get back in the action. Sorry. In the action. Gotcha. Back yeah. in the saddle. Back in the saddle. Back in the saddle. I think we're all Yep, like, yep. We got lots to cover. Yeah, well, you, you've got a bit to talk about. A few big projects, uh, projects coming up from your end uh, mm-hmm. that uh, we're going to discuss in future podcasts. Um, uh, we'll talk about a video that Edge and I just did on religious freedoms because it's really being trampled on at the moment. So we put out a video on that the other day, Biden gun control. Uh, mm. men, men claim his identity as women to get transferred to female prisons. We all knew this is going to get jacked up, but it has to be talked about because it's seriously, seriously dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, the first state to ban on puberty blockers and gender surgery in children. So that's a positive. Yeah. <laughs> it's good when you get like a positive one in here. Hey. Right. Hey. <laughs> I actually have a lot of positive ones I'm going to talk about, but go yeah. ahead. She's, she's very, she's very peppy today which is quite <laughs> um, we've got uh, an article by James uh, once again uh, to talk about ID passports uh, China rolls out new digital currency which is an interesting one because China's been uh, attacking digital currency for a while now and for them to make this reverse change is pretty interesting so what are we going to roll into first ladies well, um, how about, let's see, you got James article up there. Mm-hmm. I could, uh, or, well, let me just tell you about some projects that I'm working on. Cause I'm pretty, I'm pretty stoked about this. I've, I've been, so <laughs> I've been doing the total juggling game. Like I'm paying attention to the news because that's very important to see what's going on and everything. And I'm still using that to connect dots. And then I'm flooding over information to James going, dude, can you write this up? This needs to get out. And I just hammer him with a bunch of, you know, cause he's such a brilliant writer. And then I'm jotting down notes for our podcast. And simultaneously I have five tabs rolling with um, documents I'm working on projects. So I have, I'm, I'm working on a solutions tab for my website, um, but it, it's a, it's a ton of work. I'm trying, I'm breaking it down kind of like by industry, you know, like healthcare, uh, jobs, housing, um, transportation, all the different areas um, in, in of things that are going to change in one way or another and solutions for combating those or navigating around those and in the midst of that i had reached out to uh catherine austin fitz um we've both been following each other's work for a while now and i really respect her she's just got a brilliant mind and uh i said catherine do you think we could collaborate on some solutions because i know i know she's you know working on the solution stuff too so she says you know i'm working on my on my uh first quarter quarterly wrap-up report would you be interested in working on a piece um for that and i said sure i can shift gears i'll work on that and i'll work on my website so i've been working on a piece for that now 
that'll end up going in her printed piece, which is um, that those are books that she actually, they're really nice too, that she prints out, mails out to her subscribers. But if you, if you go to solari.com, she has a plethora of information that's free to everyone. And then subscribers also get the printed materials and some other stuff. Uh, now, of course, some of the information I'm working on for her piece, I will, you know, I'm going to have elements of that in my solutions tab as well. Um, I'm also working on a big article having to do with some various companies such as Amazon and others that are going to be playing a big role in our future. And I think there's some stuff that people are not aware of. And so I've been connecting dots with that um, because it's kind of a two-part thing, you know, like I want to keep people informed of what's coming so they can watch for it while then also providing solutions um, to try to stay a little bit ahead of them with it. And right. then in some cases, obviously it's like, we're already behind the game and we got to, got to combat what's already in place. Um, which brings me to my other one I'm working on, <laughs> which has to do with the local level. And I am, I'm putting together kind of a step-by-step, -step, like this is finding how you find the blueprint of your area or an area you want to move to. And then this is how you combat it. And I'm most likely going to end up, at least what I'm envisioning is that I will end up um, laying out some pages of information into a PDF doc that people could download for free and print off and bring to like meetings or, you know, to educate others and to actually approach all the local officials and whatnot. So great idea. Yeah. So, so it's kind of, all part and parcel, you know, but yet separate. So I'm kind of working on everything at the same time and um, rolling them out as fast as I can, but it's a lot of work because it takes a lot of thought, you know, it, it's not just connecting docs, showing the evidence and writing up the research. It's, it's also having to really assess and analyze best approaches and, um, and that type of thing. So the other thing is, is I have a short article I'm working on and I, I put out an announcement on Gab, a request. And so I'm going to ask everyone listening to this. If you either go to a university or you work for a corporation that is sending you emails or letters in the mail stating that you will be re either required to get the COVID vaccine or they're incentivizing it and trying to bribe you by saying that you, uh, they'll give you a hundred dollars if you get it, or you'll get a half day paid time off work and that type of thing. If you can screenshot that and just block your name out and then email it to me, I would, I would like to gather some of those pieces to incorporate into this article I'm working on for that. Yeah. I'm interested to see the response, uh, because I, I would imagine that some companies maybe even a lot of companies are doing that oh they are a lot of them and 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 it's really i uh, because of all the lawless lawlessness and confusion and chaos that has been intentionally put in you know put into place here um 
I, I don't know if I'd go so far as to say, I think big corp and companies are confused by the law, <laughs> but there's definitely some layers of confusion in here. And I can tell you that they cannot require you. I am almost certain they cannot require you to get a vaccine or threaten to fire you because these vaccines are not even licensed by the FDA. They are emergency use use authorization vaccines which we know aren't even really vaccines in the first place so these people are treading on thin water here and you got the cdc pushing the companies on telling them how to you know encourage their employers or their employees rather and then you got the employers now if the employers can encourage if they want i don't recommend it because what's going to happen if someone gets the vaccine and dies? Um, but for them to literally threaten, I, I've seen stuff where they're saying setting hard deadlines. You know, if you don't get it by such and such a date, you will be terminated. Yeah, well, I've seen the same sort of thing with schools. I mean, that that are with uh, universities at this point that are requiring it for the fall. So, and, and yet the FDA and the CDC state that you cannot require. A mandatory vaccine you can't make it mandatory until it's licensed so i gotta look into that a little further and see what the deal is there and people need to i mean it like lawyers need to freaking step up to the plate we need to start tackling this head-on from a legal standpoint because right now it is like they're they're creating a gray area that's really not there and shouldn't be there and they're right. doing that in a lot of areas, not just with the vaccines. That's a mini oh, yeah. over there. How well is that worded? Immediately quarantine in designated government facilities. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. yeah. Yeah. And um and I believe that they're fined if they don't, and they could go to they could go to jail as well. And um it doesn't matter, there aren't even designated government facilities. Yeah, yeah what's the difference? And- What's the difference? Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably what they are. They're just using prisons. No, but this was a really good article. Um, James did, you know, I was starting to see a lot of information rolling out on um, different, from different countries regarding the passport. And I think it's important to kind of stay on top of this on a global level, because we know that this playbook is rolling out everywhere. So for me, like, I want to see who's doing what first and who's falling in line and when are they falling in line? And you know what I mean? And and how far are they taking this? And so he did a really good job of breaking down multiple countries and where we're at with all of this. Um, And of course that it includes the recent, you know, New York edition there with the passports, um, which we covered in last week's podcast. Yep. Yep. Well, yeah. And so we've got, we've got some states, you know, like, like DeSantis, that speaker just scrolled by there was that's the executive order that DeSantis said that no one in the state is going to be allowed to require vaccine ID passports, just, you know, for everyday life to be able to go to a sporting event or a restaurant or movie theater and stuff. So he put that that's an executive order. Um, and didn't that also apply to private uh, companies as well? Because yes. I know that, okay. Yeah. Yes. Unlike Texas. Right. 
who what was what was it they said edge like just so, federal yeah any um federal organization cannot require it and any private organization or company that receives any kind of federal funding cannot require it okay but private companies that do not receive federal funding it does not talk about that mm, interesting now did did Missouri, I'm trying to remember the different states. I, I want to say there's something in here with like Missouri and Iowa. I think Iowa was trying to get something through that actually pertained to not allowing um, a mandatory vaccine, but I don't know that they made any progress on that. And Missouri, I should have looked it up before hopping on here. There was some something going down in Missouri too. Um, but we, we do have some states, you know, some governors are stepping up in some states, um, such as, who was it? <laughs> Which state was it? Because I know we're, we're going to eventually roll into the gun situation here. What state was it that recently said they're signing an executive order saying that they are not following any of, uh, there may have been a couple actually, any of... Um, Biden's executive orders as it pertains to gun control, that their state will not follow that. I think I saw something about Florida doing that and like may have already done something like that. Isn't there something um, with Tennessee too? I'll have to check. Sorry. And I don't then, have that on top of my And head. then there was another one. Uh, I was talking with dad yesterday and he was telling me that there was a state, he thought it was one of the Dakotas that was saying they're going to sign an executive order saying that they're not abiding by any of Biden's executive orders. I'm like, what? I got to look <laughs> this one up and I haven't had time to look it up. So I don't know if he got that accurate or not, but it's probably, but that would be yeah. Isn't it uh, what South Dakota? Is that the governor? Uh, Christine Nome? Yeah. She's yeah. Pretty it was... Awesome. I love her. Yeah. Yeah. So if it was one of the Dakotas, that would be the place to look. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness so they're taking every chance that they have and with what they do to separate the population you know it's he he worded it very very well in, in one of these letters where it's creating two classes of citizens and right they've they've done that push with everything i mean pro-gun anti-gun pro-abortion anti-abortion black white now vaccinated and non-vaccinated right you know the, the more they can break up a society the easier it is for them to control it you know what's funny though what i find interesting is i understand that okay people so you'll often hear people talking about you know, their friend who's completely oblivious or a family member or a coworker. And so you do have some of that friction, that immediate friction there. But when you go out in public or you're, you know, hanging out in a public space and you're meeting strangers and you're chit chatting and everything, I do not get that vibe. Like I feel, I can actually feel the, almost the starvation for friendship and compassion and community and people like they're wanting that they're craving that so i feel like although if you were to hop on 
social media or listen to the news, everything's going to feel very segregated because that's what they're pushing. But when you're out in public and let's just pretend no one's wearing a mask for this, for this little exercise, <laughs> but people are genuinely very nice. And it doesn't matter what color you are. It really doesn't matter whether you're wearing a mask or not. I mean, like I'm walking on, I was taking my dog for a walk yesterday and I was just observing, you know, it's interesting. Cause I just like rolled back into town a week ago and you go to different towns and different States. And it's, it's just, it's a different feel, you know, different communities and everything, um, different moods and all, but but genuinely, I think people overall just, they, you know, that compassion and unity is still there. Um, so two girls are passing me on their bikes <laughs> and they're wearing masks, but then they made it a point to say hi to me. Whereas one dude's jogging by and uh, like refused to have eye contact. I smile at everyone, you know, and I don't wear a mask, but so I just, I don't know. What do you guys see? Yeah, I hung out with my neighbors and friends just recently, and um, the vibe I'm getting is very much the same. You know, it's not, we don't get a lot into politics or anything like that, but definitely had some discussions, especially, you know, when you have kids around the same age and stuff, and we're all kind of uh, talking about what's coming down, coming down the pike for them, and you know, I just told them I, I really do not want my kids getting the vaccine. So I'm homeschooling. They were like, oh, my gosh, I don't want mine to have the vaccine either. But I don't <laughs> think they've even put much type, uh, thought into it. You know what I'm saying? I think people are yeah. kind of reactionary instead of like planning ahead for what's coming. Right. So but um, a lot of people, I think, are on the same page. It's just they're not uh, they're kind of afraid to be vocal about it unless you make that first comment or that that right. you put yourself out there first you know yeah, yeah. i was say so, so, uh, the the circles that i roll in are a little bit different i guess um you know my immediate friendship group or you know the gym that i go to and stuff i mean my trainer was talking to me about the other day and when, when we do our sessions we always get pretty deep he knows what i do here knows my channel and stuff uh, same with my caro and stuff so we're all, they, they they know my opinions on things and they're uh I, I would say pretty much the same thing as me except you know they just don't uh vocalize it or talk about it or you know do podcasts and stuff that i do about it but right. um they're they're very much on the same page and he asked me the other day i mean this guy is incredibly fit he's got his shit together do you know what i mean um and yeah. he's got two young kids and he's like you know are you what do you think about this vaccine? Because I know where his head is, you know, his, his head is, you know, my kids are pretty in line. I mean, they live with me. I mean, he must be a, not a hard taskmaster, but you know, those kids are, are being raised well, you know, they're right. eating well, you know, you, because hey, the man's a personal trainer. So you can see the thing coming into his head is in the, you know, uh, why do I have to give this to two perfectly healthy children? Mm-hmm. you know exactly. like that, that that's where his head's moving in with it and so, same with him he's like you know i'm i'm perfectly fine i i i work this hard to keep myself together so i don't get sick and i don't get these diseases so what's what's this outside influence coming in and trying to affect my life and my kids and so i see where he's coming from 
Yeah. Yeah. So interesting dynamics going on. And then we have, um, so what's going on with, you know, which this all ties into our wonderful with the COVID vaccine. as well. <laughs> yeah. With the, di- the digital passports. Yes, it does. So uh, China's rolled out their central bank digital currency in major cities. It's the first big economy to issue a digital currency. And with all that's in the news with the, whether it's the border or the uh, attack on the second amendment or uh, massive spending bills, you know, this just really isn't getting a lot of coverage, but it is a big deal that it's going to affect us all because um, of course this puts into question the security of the US dollar as a global reserve currency and has everyone wondering if and when the US is gonna do the same. And Mm -hmm. uh, China's digital currency, as you can imagine, allows them to have strict control and surveillance of every move of their people that can be tracked and every purchase, but it's also gonna give China the ability and other countries for that matter that use this currency, like Iran, uh, to skirt sanctions uh, by using the currency that cannot be controlled or tracked by the US. So, 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 so this is a blockchain-enabled digital version of the renminbi. Okay, I'm getting it. Uh, so it, yeah. it, it's not a separate uh, digital currency. It's the same currency. They're just issuing it on blockchain. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, other country, countries are in different stages of rolling um, their version of central bank-backed digital currencies out. Uh, But with China leading the way here, they definitely want to set the rules and the standards. And their rules and standards are not something that any kind of democracy would be interested in. Um, Obviously, of course, privacy, security, and uh, control uh, factors. But um, the the chair of the Federal Reserve told Congress um, just last month that uh, they're not going to roll out a U.S. central bank digital currency until they get the public on board with it. So he said, yep, yep. So he said in 2021, and uh, if you'll scoot on over to two more tab speaker, this is the uh, one one more. Yeah, that one right there. That's um, so Jerome Powell met with Congress last month, and this is what he was saying. He uh, said 2021 is the year that they're going to do a lot of public outreach where they're basically doing a PR campaign to sell the public on the benefits of digital currency. Powell Mm -hmm. said, uh, this is going to be an important year. This is going to be the year in which we engage with the public pretty actively, including some public events that we're working on that I'm not going to announce yet. And then he went on to say that in the meantime, we're going to be working on technical challenges and sharing work with all the other central banks around the world which are doing this. So this mm-hmm. is in the works. This isn't in theory. This isn't, uh, you know, maybe we'll do it. Everybody's in the works on this. Uh, they're just rolling it out slowly. But my best bet is that, and my, my best guess is that if they're working on a PR campaign in 2021, yeah. they're, they're probably planning to roll it out in 2022. But I bet they'd wait until after the midterms in 2022. What do you guys think? So this, this goes against everything uh, cryptocurrency backers or supporters uh, got into crypto for. This goes against absolutely everything we believe in. And like I said, I've, I've played the crypto market for ages. I'm, I'm 
I like to say well versed in it. I've been following it for a while uh, since probably probably the, the the start of Bitcoin when it was getting traded around Tor. Um, this is the thing that we did not want, and we did not want any government to try to get their hands on any sort of crypto or to control any sort of crypto. And this was a big pushing point. China was the first to crack down on Bit when it started booming because China was, at, at the time, the number one trading or the miners to they were mining Bitcoin by the factories. If you've ever seen Bitcoin mining facilities in China, they were massive. Uh, but the Communist Party, of course, put the hammer down on it because they didn't want any uh, body to escape the system. And right. that's what was happening. I mean, people were becoming millionaires off this crypto and in China and not reserved or not watched. So the government cracked down on it. So it does not surprise me that they're the first one trying to push uh, uh, their own currency back crypto, mm-hmm. which is uh, fundamentally everything that uh, crypto supporters are against. It is, yeah. we do and I was want government's hand in it at all. Like in I, head over to that next tab, the war on the dollar. Because it talks about that. Um, it talks about China's digital currency and how it's going to affect things. And uh, this one was, this article is done by uh, Tyler Durden and, um, at Zero Hedge. And he's talking about how he suspects that China's digital currency will likely be accepted as the standard in Asian and African countries. And um, added that once China's totalitarian surveillance software is perfected, they can make it the standard for much of the world and facilitate intrusive 24-7 surveillance by every dictator and autocratic leader in the world. And if cash is gone, the only way to escape digital surveillance of wealth is through physical gold. Um, It did talk about Bitcoin and um, cryptos. I think if you skip down just, yes, governments won't surrender their monopoly. You were just right there. Um, They've been watching quietly and patiently the technology develop so they could ultimately control it. Anyone who controls the money, controls political power, the economy, and people's lives enter the central bank digital currency known as CBDC. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly it looks like... Saying there. It's not exactly crypto. It's still based off their uh, uh, finance system. Right, right. So, I mean, I think that... Uh, I know this is like grim news. This also is attached to the whole COVID passport because we know they want to link kind of everything together, all of your digital identity and banking and everything together. Um, and we need to be kind of watching this closely and preparing for it now, because it looks like we probably have a year uh, or two, maybe before this uh, really rolls out, you know, so the, we have the potential of it rolling out in the U.S. Yeah, I think limiting it to saying gold is the only way out is, is not accurate. I agree. Um, yeah, I, think- I was going to get into that. Yeah, I, I think, um, gosh, I don't know the history of money as well as other people. <laughs> I did watch a great video. I should have found it. Um, 
I didn't realize like we would, this was going to go into all this. Cause I didn't, uh, I wasn't even aware of the whole China currency thing until you brought it up edge, but otherwise I would have pulled this because it's uh maybe what I'll do is I'll find it and I'll put the link under the video. James Corbett did a great, um, uh, video on currency and went through some historical events events where currency did work at times of recession in certain areas where they used you know printed uh printed notes or paper you know like money exchange and it, and it worked within communities as a source of you know trading for services i mean that's yeah. all cash is it's just printed paper Mm -hmm. um obviously that requires um which seems to be our biggest problem (laughs) is it requires a group effort you know yes yeah and and, and planning you can't just do this kind of thing overnight but we that's why we need to start talking about solutions now exactly and working on a local level i was thinking um you know for me um, gold, yes, but um, goals for me are to try to become debt-free, um, to bec- become as self-sufficient as possible on right. you know on resources that I need to be self-sustaining. Um, but also networking locally, like you were just saying, um, mm-hmm. coming up with ways locally to share resources or bartering systems or a currency system that is not trackable. Uh, the way that they want to track uh, it with this digital currency that's rolling out. Right. Right. The obvious hang up is going to be, you know, certain needs or certain necessities, or for example, you have to go to the doctor, you have to go to the hospital and now they want you to pay. They're not going to care about your community's paper dollar that you guys created or, uh, if you got a gold coin, you know, who knows that they'd actually take that. So, so that's where things start to get a little trickier. Yeah. Uh, we really need like a round table of financial geniuses to, uh, and historians to sit down and hash out, um, you know, these, these things have been tried before. I mean, the Mormon church at one point, I don't know how long, it was, how long gold was now, but they tried their own, uh, uh, financial system. They had their own Mormon banks. They had their own Mormon notes. Um, I don't exactly know what happened with that, but I do know that was uh, something in your history. I don't know how long it lasted uh, hmm. because of what it was backed against, and I don't think it was backed against brick and mortar, so it kind of uh, fell apart a little bit. But there's something you can look into because I definitely know they they did try to start a program very similar to that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, these solutions are they're not easy to come up with and it's going to take time and, and a lot of brainstorming and a lot of people to come together, a lot of great minds in different professions. Like you were saying, people in the medical field who would say, "Okay, maybe we can create a network, you know, of doctors and dentists or whatever, you know, um that can provide services for, with this alternative to the digital currency." But then, of course, they're licensed. And so what happens if the state comes in and says, you can't be operating like this? Because, right. you know, law. Right. right. And that's why we need lawyers, too. <laughs> I know. Where we are need everybody. <laughs> These are the groups we need. Yeah, so let's, uh, let's move on to. Oy, the wonderful gun right. control. 
Yeah, yeah. So this came out on Thursday. Uh, the Biden administration is saying that they're not waiting for Congress to act on gun control measures since a couple of bills passed through the House and now they're just sitting at a stalemate in the Senate. And so Biden has issued some executive actions saying on in a speech on Thursday that no amendment to the Constitution is absolute. <laughs> wow. Saying that uh, yeah, the yes. arguments against these actions, that, that they violate the Second Amendment, that they're both bizarre and phony. And people so, should know, because I was actually, uh, someone asked me this in Gap. So they're like, what's the difference between an executive order and an executive action? An executive order is legally binding. An executive action is blowing steam. Yeah. It, it's, it's intimidation. It's, it's flexing. I would like, but it's not legally binding until it becomes awe. Right, right. He's basically trying to pressure and pass things off on, first of all, onto the DOJ and then also onto Congress. But this is, of course, following the outcry by Democrats to do something since we've had several high profile shootings recently. Remember, no good crisis goes to waste. And I don't know if some people remember or noticed, but during Biden's first press conference. Remember the train wreck of a press conference? Um, he was asked um, what he Which was going to do. <laughs> the first one. The first one, yeah. Um, so that he, he was asked if he was going to take action on gun control. And this mm-hmm. is what he said. He said, um, a good president knows that it's all about timing. So here mm-hmm. we are. And here we are. Uh, yeah. Scroll so, down through the through these lists, speaker. We've got six of them in bold print down here. Mm-hmm. And 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 before you continue, I, I just have to jump to this one on the administration is investing in evidence-based community violence interventions. And if you look at these bullet points, um so it's like when you read words coming from these people, you have to read it through an entirely different lens because you know their motives do not do not uh, coincide or sync up with their words, right? It's, it's a twist of words. It's pure manipulation. And what I see, if you scroll down just a hair speaker, so you can see those bullets there, um, is the, did you read the section edge? It's, it's like... Okay. <sighs> the five federal agencies are making changes to 26 different programs to direct vital support to community violence intervention programs as quickly as possible. These changes mean we can start increasing investments in community violence interventions as we wait on Congress to appropriate additional funds. And they're talking about the, what is it, Medicaid, reimburse Medicaid for um violent intervention programs like hospital based and i'm just looking at all this going again smart city control they're going to come in and they're going to use all this for other reasons and they're going to say you could be violence violent oh you were once a trump supporter oh you know (laughs) yeah Yep. Yep. Exactly. They're going to use a lot of that money. Five billion is set aside from that uh, massive uh, infrastructure proposal that is going to be set aside for these community-based government 
intervention programs. Yep. Mm -hmm. And Control all going to be mm -hmm, focusing on urban areas and our cities and yeah, smart city, smart city, smart city. Um, that's what, what, where your mind goes all the time there, Corey, isn't it? Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yep. Cause I know their master plan. Yeah. Yeah. So going up to the top of these, um, these six, uh, actions, Biden, the first one, Biden's going to direct the DOJ within 30 days to require background checks for buyers of what they call ghost guns, which are basically firearms that don't have serial numbers, like for example, 3d printed guns or gun kits. Okay. Um, and then he's going to direct the DOJ to regulate pistol stabilizing braces. Uh, these are braces that allow for more stability and accuracy uh, when shooting. And apparently this was used by the shooter in Boulder, Colorado. Um, he's going to direct the DOJ to draft a model legislation for red flag laws. So there's another one. Yep. Red flag laws. That's going to allow to get red flagged. <laughs> Mm -hmm, exactly. It's going to allow you family. Red, you're red flagged, baby. Yeah, exactly. There it is. <laughs> there it is. Yep. So family and law enforcement can go to a court, a local judge, and say this person is going through a personal crisis and they need to have all their guns taken away. And that judge can have that ordered. So um, that's what he's uh, pressuring the DOJ to draft le model legislation for. Um, and then he's also, I think, pressuring states to adopt some of this stuff. So, um, and he's planning to, as I said, uh, direct about five billion from that infrastructure proposal for these community-based in, uh, intervention programs, and also directing the DOJ to issue annual gun trafficking reports. He's uh, also nominated a gun control activist who is a policy director for Gabby Gifford's gun control organization to be the head of the ATF. When he was giving his speech today, he called it the, or on Thursday, he called it the AFT. So, <laughs> but he, anyways, this is David Chipman and he's been an outspoken supporter of gun control, particularly with the Second Amendment sanctuary cities in West Virginia. Since, since Governor Northam passed the, the gun control bills, uh, many of the sheriffs and local officials said that they weren't going to enforce those laws that violated con the Constitution and people's Second Amendment rights. And so uh, this is going to be, this is the nominee for the ATF, um, outspoken wow. uh, gun control activist. Um, Fantastic. But, and mm -hmm. I just wanted to interject real quick because I just looked it up. There's already almost like 20 states that have red flag laws in place. Yikes. Yeah. yeah. There's, a, there's a lot of states, a lot of cities, and a lot of counties who, since that uh, Virginia passed all of those laws, um, there's been a whole movement of Second Amendment sanctuary cities, counties, and states. Um, so that's a good thing, but I, I did want to mention that um, this is just a starting point for gun control measures that the Biden administration set, uh, wants to put in place. And as you'd mentioned, really a lot of this is just flexing. I mean, there's not, it's not an executive order. It's not, it's just executive actions. And he could see he's pushing the DOJ to do everything and the, mm -hmm. the states to do everything and Congress to do everything. 
So, but um, it's really just a starting point. And the, the good thing for now is that those two recent gun control bills uh, that passed in the House, which are H.R. 8 and H.R. 1446, they're stalled in the Senate with no support from Republicans and Joe Manchin, who's a Democrat from West Virginia, who says, you know, that he won't support these gun bills or change the filibuster rules. But I'm just wondering how long that is going to last, because we know how these criminals work. And I'm just wondering when some honey trap against Joe Manchin is going to expose some pay to play scheme or underage girls or whatever. Right. And get Joe Manchin to change his mind on these issues. Mm-hmm. Isn't the NRA moving their offices from New York to Texas now? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think they actually already did. Yeah. Oh, did they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but um, we can talk solutions and I, I briefly touched on this is that, you know, after those gun control legislation, uh, that the gun control legislation that passed in Virginia was signed into law, this whole movement began to grow of Second Amendment sanctuary cities and, and counties and states where local law enforcement and officials said that they are not going to enforce unconstitutional laws that strip citizens of their Second Amendment rights. And you can see here there's a map. Actually, people have drawn this out of where there are these Second Amendment sanctuary locations. And so um, now is a good time to just check and see if you're in one of those areas. Um, and if not, you know, uh, find out ways that you can can make that happen. Know who your, your sheriff is and who your local uh, officials are and where they stand on the Second Amendment. And if they're not strong supporters of that, then work towards putting people in place that are. So. Right. Mm-hmm. Well said. And, and connect with your sheriffs. Yep, definitely. Get them to fight for you. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to my cat has been circling me for the last 10 minutes. I have to keep lifting him up over the mic. He actually meowed and said hello at one point. (laughs) (laughs) There was a good viral video that went the other day. So it led us into this discussion uh, about a Polish priest who absolutely let loose on these police officers. It was absolutely brilliant. I don't know if you saw that, Corey, but it was absolutely amazing. It was. It was amazing. The Canada pastor. Did you catch it? Oh, I guess she went to go put her pet cat away. <laughs> I did. Sorry. That's okay. Hey, he was knocking everything over and bumping into my mic. I had to go move him. Have you, have you seen this, Corey? I don't know if you, you... You might not be able to hear it. I'll show it to you afterwards anyway. Okay. But, um, this is something I reckon Corey would get excited about. It's it's righteous anger and people fighting back and how how we just sent these police officers out of the church. Just they yeah, I didn't get to see that. I heard about it, but I didn't get to see. Yeah. Yeah. Easter weekend over the Passover, some police officers in Canada showed up to this pastor's church. Uh, he's a Polish pastor, knows very much about tyranny. Um, and, uh, cause he grew up in Poland and, uh, yeah, he kicked those people out in the most epic way. It was amazing and beautiful to see it. <laughs> so you'll have to watch it when you have, a, when you have a second, but yeah, yeah we I, talked about that cause there were a couple of incidents. Yeah. And it's, it's, you're really crossing the river now because, uh, anyone that studies history 
knows that they go after collective religion first and because uh, these uh, religions do not worship the state. They worship a higher power. So therefore, they have to eliminate certain sects and religions and beliefs, uh, you know, to, to, to put themselves on top and to control. So, and, and that's why I think you, you're seeing such a war on Christianity at the moment. Yeah, definitely one of the factors. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so there was that incident in Canada. There was another incident in London, similar. Uh, police came in over the Easter weekend and told everybody to leave because they were not uh, in, they were in violation of the law, the COVID restrictions because of no masks and, uh, you know, not social distancing and whatnot. So people did leave um, in the London incident. And then there was actually a third incident. Um, this is out of Canada as well. Uh, Grace Life Church. Their pastor was arrested a few weeks back and he's like 35 j 35 days in jail. Wow. And uh, yeah, so he came home uh, and started preaching again. And then <laughs> just this week, cops showed up at Grace Life again, blocked off church with fencing and uh we're not letting people into the church so it's just getting crazy on the all the violations of uh, freedom of religion well good for him for fighting back and continuing everyone has to keep doing that because you know if you get enough people to keep doing that they're not going to get away with this crap and it's 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 unfortunate uh but we're gonna have to get uncomfortable here to keep your rights and to keep you know your your sovereignty in any way shit's gonna come down the pipeline and you're gonna have to stand pretty tall and pretty strong on Smaller what you sacrifices now. yep it's it's gonna get uncomfortable but hey you know a little bit of uncomfort is 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 what makes the spirit grow so it's better than eventually being locked down in the city and not being able to go anywhere you know yep. and losing all all your rights. All, all your rights, all your individuality, and just becoming a drone to the state. Where you will have mandatory volunteer work. You will no longer have your own business or pick a job that you would like. They will be telling you where you will be working. And you will have right, and, and you will be happy. Right. I was just going to say that, Speaker. And you will <laughs> yes. be, what did you say? And you will have, you have nothing, nothing and, and you will be, be happy. happy. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Believe these people. Well, that's what they want. And, and, and when you get. When they tell you what they. What they exactly. And when, and when you end up getting utterly depressed by it all, don't you worry because they're going to bring in the virtual world for you and you can just live in virtual reality mm -hmm. and escape. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But we can stop all this. I'm confident we can stop all this. Yep. So, oh, yeah, we need to talk about this. This is huge milestone, man. I've been following this stuff for a few years. You guys know I did an extensive report a few years back and I've seen so many attempts with, with bills in multiple <laughs> states trying to put something through and it always ends up stalling out. And so this is the first one to finally pass, um, and what it is, is it's a ban on gender confirming treatments and surgery for transgender youth. So 
uh, Hutchinson, Governor Hutchinson had, had vetoed this, but the House and the Senate, which is Republican controlled, they overrode, they overrode his veto. So nice. this prohibits doctors from providing gender confirming hormone therapy, therapy, puberty blockers, or surgery to anyone under 18 years old, or from referring them to other providers for the treatment. Common sense. And, and, awesome. right. and so uh, there's, you know, of course, lawsuits, lawsuits are going to start and they don't want this to pass and yada, yada, yada. But <laughs> Little uh, take that Hillary Clinton. It, it's just, it's very exciting because this is, this is hope that, you know, some of hopefully some of these other bills that have been floating around in many other states will, um, will start to get through as well. I mean, yeah, this, I hope these so. are not decisions anyone under 18 should be making and no one should be Probably making not. it for a freaking four or five year old. Absolutely. No kidding. I mean, that has always been my issue. I don't care what adults do with the their own bodies. Hmm. It's the children. Yes. The manipulation on the children from the indoctrination and the transgender agenda and Ah, so the training and the programming that's been going on for decades is just, it's got to stop. So, so that's a good one. Yeah, definitely. Victory. Yes. As opposed to the next transgender (laughs) one. (laughs) Not a good one. And this headline, you got to love the headline. Men are coming. (laughs) (laughs) Hundreds of inmates request transfer to women's prison since January. So, I, I just, I, I couldn't even believe this. And you can't even just go by the headline and be like, what are the first paragraph? You got to read the whole damn article because we're talking since January, 261 California prison inmates have requested transfers to prisons aligning with their gender identity. So, so we've got, this was a bill that passed in California, but this is happening in other places too. So it requires the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation to ask every individual entering the department's custody to, to specify their pronouns, their gender identity, and whether they identify as transgender, non-binary, or intersex. So the law prevents CDCR from disciplining the individual if that individual refuses to give us information, allows for the information to be updated later on, excuse me, and requires staff to use the gender pronouns that the individual, could you imagine trying to remember all that? No kidding. No, no. So, so it requires them to house the individual in a correctional facility designated for men or women based on the individual's preference. And this is, this has been passed in Connecticut and Massachusetts too. They've already, like I said, they've already moved 261 inmates. Um, It's unbelievable. We've got, let's see. So of this, we have 255 are from transgender women and non-binary incarcerated people who are requesting to be housed in a female institution. And six are from transgender men and non-binary incarcerated people who are requesting to be housed in a male institution, which uh, that's just danger zone there. So, so they, they are, they have not denied a single request. Not one. So California. So where is this going to go? Well, and Connecticut, Massachusetts, and I'm sure other States are looking at doing this crap too. 
So now we're going to have this, these co-ed prisons. Where do you think that's going to lead? Well, first of all, a lot of uh, women, uh, even women who are in prison are victims of abuse uh, by the hands of maybe a spouse or yep. uh, an ex or whatever the case is. So housing, uh, whether they identify as women or not, housing biological males with females, is just a d- recipe for disaster. There's probably going to be a lot of uh, pregnancies. Uh, there's probably going to be a lot of a lot of issues that result from this, but I just want to take the logic for a second here, because mm-hmm. if they, if they can say, look, I identify as a woman, when are they going to say, I identify as a child, I identify um, as a child, you need to put me in juvie. All right. right. With the kids. Oh, this is the same logic, right? Yeah. It, right. It's, it's insane. Cause you can't, yeah. you can take that logic. I identify as an animal, put me in the vet, <laughs> like put me in a kennel, you know, I mean, take me to the just- zoo. I want to go on a safari. <laughs> I, I, I tell you right now, I'm, I'm not a criminal. I don't, I, I don't feel I have a criminal mind at all. But 100%, if I got locked up for some sort of serious crime and I had to do three, four years in the joint for some or reason. Or 10 or 20 your life. Or 10 or 20, right? The first thing I'm going to do is pull the mop on my head, call myself Sally and say I'm <laughs> That's right. right. Exactly. The first thing I'm gonna do. Exactly. Right? Work in this. There's gonna be a little, plenty of people working the system. So yeah. it starts with self-preservation and quickly moves into hormones, and then next thing you know, I mean, it's just this is not good. No. Oh my goodness, it's insane. Insane. Yep. Collective insanity. And we chose this one to end on. <laughs> oh my god so so i'm gonna be i'm gonna be wrapping up this piece that i'm working on with Catherine um over the next week and then i'm probably probably gonna end up either getting the the big one which has to do with companies and the role of our future or the one with um emails and letters coming in where companies are requiring um or incentivizing vaccines so um, I can't even put time frames on this stuff because I'm working on too many things at the same time. It's just that it, it all correlates, you know? So I could be working on one and, be, and, and then I come across information that's really significant and I'm like, well, no, this should go over here on this one. So I'm, so I'm kind of building it all together, which I think is smart because for the most part, the majority of what I'm working on is all solution-based and, I, and you know, it's important stuff. It's, it's what we so. need at the moment, solutions. I mean, yep. I think a, a lot of us have been uh, blackpilled for a while now, ever since Biden got into office. I think a lot of people have been blackpilled. Um, I am you know, guilty of that, definitely. But um, there comes a point where you're like, okay, all right, we got to kind of bounce back up now, reevaluate things, maybe do things differently, um, and just, you know, start not over again but but start with a new energy and a new sort of life to the things right well i think it was important to expose everything that was going on so we all kind of got hung up in that um it was really easy to do and there were things we were fighting for throughout that duration too but now it's a whole different ball game and so we take a step back and we say okay (laughs) now we need to regroup here 
um, things are going very quickly. But what I'm seeing is massive distraction going on, right? There's yep. massive infighting. There's constant, like I'll see a news piece come out and I'll look at it all. They are ten intentionally rolling this out for distraction. Um, I'll give you an example and I'm sure plenty of people disagree with me, but when you know the whole picture and you understand that for a couple of decades now, shit's been going on under your nose locally that many people don't even know about, but will soon. And some people know about, but maybe they just didn't understand to the depths that it goes. Um, they need to be able to move through their process locally while distracting us with all this other crap. So in my opinion, the whole Kemp Georgia thing with the airlines and the baseball and all that other crap is a massive energy sucking distraction that is, is I'm not going to use the word irrelevant. Um, the aftermath of the actions, everything we're seeing right now is just, it's, it's, mm, it's theater. It's, it's massive right. distractions and they keep doing stuff like this that can mm -hmm. hold the news cycle for a week or two. And then they'll bring up some other one and they'll bring up and they just keep rolling them and rolling them and rolling them. And in the meantime, oh, the developments that are happening right under your nose. So right. I'm, working on, I'm I mean, working on the right under your nose plan. There's plenty of stuff to get off about if you're watching the news or even if you're um, watching alternative news um, because of uh, there is a lot of drama, a lot of smear campaigns towards you know conservative uh, politicians that you could just get really upset about. There's a lot of uh, stuff going on that the Biden administration is just blatantly doing that can really upset you. But like you said, and it's always what is not being talked about that you really need to focus on because they yeah. are definitely doing things under the table that we, right. we really pay attention to um, right. in order to prepare for it and counteract it, and, you know, come up with some other plans to uh, work around it, to fight against it. Right. So, so this has been consuming my time for the past, you know, month to two months. I've been really focused on this and processing it all and digging it up and, and writing it up. And so it's, you know, it's taking me some time. Um, so I appreciate everyone bearing with me, but in the meantime, please email me at info at coreysdigs.com. C-O-R-E-Y-S-D-I-G-S.com. Any email screenshots of emails or letters you've received from a company or a university, either incentivizing or requiring that you get vaccinated um block out your name i will not include your personal information obviously uh because this is this is really important stuff that we need to get um we really need to get some <laughs> lawyers rallying here on on this front a lot of, a lot of, from what i can see at a glance not a deep dig is there's a lot of laws being broken right now well i mean of course there are <laughs> Look at <this> administration. <laughs> That's the understatement of the century, right. there, Corey. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, man. and on that note, all right, guys. Thanks for joining us today on Dig It with the speaker, myself, the Sharp Edge, and Corey Len of Corey's Digs. Please be sure to share this podcast. We're on iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, 
Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, YouTube, Foxhole, Gab TV, BitChute, and Pill.net. We'll see you back next time right here on Dig It. Thank you.